1: and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for the roundtable. We are missing a few faces. Reggie Wilson, Sam Ekstrom, they will not be joining us today because uh, they're, they're soft. You know, we know Sam's on vacation. Reggie is on a plane headed to Cincinnati to get ready for this Bengals-Vikings game. But, of course, we had to call the A-team uh minus two i guess we'll call us we got luke inman uh spinman the producer who does it all we got julia daniels for those the minnesotans that don't know her she's with care 11 uh she shows up to the games dressed to the nines whether it's (laughs) jordans high heels leather pants boots whatever it is julia's always dressed up she's gonna have a cat that runs back and forth people so don't do that do not be alarmed she knows the cat's there. And of course, I'm Ron Johnson, former Gophers and NFL wide receiver, the host of the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can find us on YouTube, Amazon Fire and Roku. So please make sure you guys do that. Also, I want everybody to know that this show is brought to you by FanDuel. But before I get into this fanduel read, people, we got to get this. Let's, let's get the menu set first. Let me let me set this locked on. Let's get locked in on this show. So, Luke, what you got for us?
1: Yeah, Ron. Let's talk about Kurt Warner's tweet about Josh Dobbs getting benched and what the pros are with Nick Mullins on center this week. And
2: we'll, of course, talk about the Wolves' best team in the league. Nas Reed's huge performance last night. And what's going on with the Wild?
0: And for me, I mean, I heard the rumors. NIL is not what it's supposed to look like. You just saw a couple universities: their girls basketball, boys basketball, and gymnastics teams all got cars. It's a lease, people, but they got cars. We saw Utah football all get cars, but is twenty million dollars too much? it's thirty thousand dollars too much? I'll tell you what those numbers mean when we talk about it. I'll tell you this: I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit in the open. Make sure you guys stick around. There's a rumor that $30,000 was given to a Gophers player to play in the bowl game. We'll talk about that. Is that too much? Is that not enough? Is NIL doing what it's supposed to do? Also, I want everybody to know, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is bet five bucks, bet five bucks. And if you win, you get the 150 bucks of their money, not your money. And then you can free roll from there. You're playing with house money, people. And if your team wins, of course, you have to win to win this. But again, that's their money, 150 bucks. So visit FanDuel.com backslash locked on to get started. Well, we got to jump into the show, Luke. Everything with, with, with Minnesota sports right now, it, it's kind of up and down. And now the Vikings actually have a chance to win the NFC North. They just have to win. It's in their control. I think we say this every year. The Vikings have the season in their control. They can control their own destiny. Luke, explain your point, though.
1: Well, not sure if you saw it, guys, but Kurt Warner tweeted out he did not think Josh Dobbs should be benched because, you know, he got no help from his playmakers. We talked about that last week, seven drops in that Raiders game and some other reasons he listed. And personally, you know, after watching four or five games with Josh Dobbs now, I think Dobbs shouldn't be benched for performance reasons, per se, but more so for offensive fit reasons, if that makes sense. Like, I think he played fine. I think he and Mullins played about the same level versus the Raiders. But the big reason I would prefer Mullins is because he knows the offense in the playbook better than Dobbs does. That's just the bottom line. And, and that means you can run side adjustments in your routes. You can run multiple plays in the huddle and kill those plays. You, you don't have to work on your mesh technique, on read options, something they haven't been able to do with Dobbs so far this year. So the stuff that Dobbs does really well is a large majority of things that I think the Vikings haven't repped enough this year. And so I don't think – the other 10 players on offense can execute those things to the level that needs to be executed if you want to go win playoff football games in this league. So Mullins, I think, plays the style of football that the Vikings and KOC have been practicing all year. He knows the plays. He knows how those plays need to play out and unfold pre and post snap as well. He knows how to kill those plays, check plays, audibles at the line of scrimmage. And he plays, most importantly, guys, within the rhythm, within the timing of the offense. So I think you got to go with Nick Mullins this week, not because he's necessarily the better quarterback per se, but because he's going to run this offense the way it was meant to be ran. And in turn, all 11 guys now. Are going to be able to work in unison and be on the same page far more than they were with Josh Dobbs under center. That's what it all boils down to this week, in my opinion.
0: True.
2: Um. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> every single. All
1: said. Let's wrap up. Let's get yeah, out of that's here. It. That's All it,
2: guys. <laughs> I, I, you know, I always have a, a few notes that I make before I come on the podcast every week. And it literally goes, reads exactly what you said, Luke. Um, number one, the communication between Nick Mullins and Kevin O'Connell is automatically going to be better, right? Than mm-hmm. a guy that came in a few weeks ago. Um, like you said, K.O.C. said the same thing. Nick Mullins came in the game. His rhythm was better. He got the guys going a little bit better than we saw with Josh Dobbs just because it's so much more familiar to him than it is. Also, he knows the guys better. He, he talked about that in his presser this week, and, and he said he, he can joke around with the guys, and they tell him, like, he's being too loud in the huddle, or, or they can tell him things like that just because they – They know him better, Um, but at the end of my notes, I I say it all goes back to just how comfortable he is in a system, which is exactly what you said, Luke. I mean, I wouldn't say talent-wise necessarily. Nick Mullins is more talented than Josh Dobbs is, more athletic than Josh Dobbs is, but when it comes down to having a coach like Kevin O'Connell, who has spent so much time on this offense in particular, and it's such a particular offense – that Nick Mullins does fit better in it because he just had more time with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I got a couple points here and I'm a, I'm gonna try to keep it quick. I got a couple points here and I think both of you are dead on what you said. First of all, let me address Kirk Warner, Hall of Famer, Kirk Warner. My, my first point about Kirk Warner is when a Hall of Famer speaks, you listen. Similar to, and I'm not calling him a, a Hall of Famer, Cam Newton. But the fact that Cam Newton can make comments about game managers and game changers and people get so up in their feelings about Cam Newton that they don't talk about the point. They don't talk about the point. They attack the man. And that's what the problem, I think, with with media today and social media even is like people don't attack points. They attack people. Uh, I get it all the time. Like when I make a comment, sometimes people don't agree with it. They go back to the oh you you only played like three or four years in the NFL you only had like two touchdowns in the NFL like bro but like what did you do like like you know so for people to to, to make these comments like because Kurt Warner they talked about that oh you had uh, and they named all Kurt Warner's receivers like like what does that have to do with it Kurt Warner is just saying I see something on film that I feel like is is a is a disservice to Josh Dobbs' ability now can Kevin O'Connell change on a dime like that midseason no. And, and this is where, and, and again, I've had internal conversations about this. It's tough for a coach to just change his game plan completely when his offensive line is not built to do with maybe he needs with the quarterback that we want him to have, which is if it's Josh Dobbs and he wants to run around a little bit, you got to have a little bit more of a Denver Broncos back-in-the-day type offensive line where it was all zone run and they were small. I mean, if you remember Ben Hamilton – who played center actually moved to guard within the Broncos system because he was able to move and he was smaller. And they wanted these little guards. Like the Broncos never had offensive guards bigger than 300 pounds. They were always under 300. Actually, they were almost under under 280 because they wanted that 280 to 300 pound guard that can move. They didn't go after the 330 pounds, Zach Martin type guys and stuff like that. And so Within the scheme, Kevin O'Connor has to build it. And and to my point, was Josh Jobs uh, done a disservice? Yes, he was. He was never put in a position that would be conducive to his game. Uh, Should they have moved on? If you're not going to change, then yes. The answer is yes. And so just because both are right doesn't mean one has to be wrong. Like, both are right. Yes, he was done wrong. But yes, they have to move on because he doesn't do what they need him to do within the system they're trying to get out of, him, which is sit in the pocket, calm your feet down, and read it. If you watch uh, the Bengals quarterback, you watch Jake Browning, He's doing exactly what Joe Burrow does. He's sitting in the pocket. He's making these throws. He's throwing the deep balls. He's throwing the, the timing routes. Now, the Steelers got him a little bit with some of their trickery. But that's what I think Kevin O'Connell's thinking. He's like, look, if Jake Browning can do it the last four weeks, why why can't I get a quarterback to do that every week for four weeks? Jake Browning is on a heater right now. I got to go in with a guy like Nick Mullins who can give me something like Kirk Cousins. I think that's the only thing Kevin O'Connell is doing. So I don't think anything is wrong with that. But I, I do have a question for both of you, though um my question is when you look at this vikings offense and you look at what everybody's saying and josh dobbs and missing key players do you think that's part of it too the fact that josh dobbs didn't have enough time with Justin? even though when he had time with Justin jefferson it didn't work like but do you think he did not like him with justin jefferson maybe is a little bit different vikings offense for him i'll go to you julia first
2: like you're saying, if he just had more time with this team, would he have played? If better? he had
0: more time with Justin Jefferson, like if Justin Jefferson had never gotten hurt with a hamstring, do you think that Josh Dobbs would have maybe, I mean, because he won those games anyway, but do you think some of these other games where he struggled just having Justin Jefferson could have been a little bit better for him yes. on the long I mean, term? Yeah, season?
2: absolutely. Justin Jefferson makes every quarterback look good. He would make anybody look good, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Justin Jefferson. Um, For sure, I mean, you just look back at this last game and how many drop passes were there? I mean, just ridiculous drops, too. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, if if Justin had been there for longer, if he had been there two weeks sooner or something like that, um, potentially we could be looking at a different Josh Dobbs. Uh, Will I say definitely? No, but I think that, you know, (laughs) JJ can make he's. He said that this week in the locker room, he goes, somebody asked him about having Nick Mullen start and how different or whatever. And he goes, to be completely honest, like, I don't care what quarterbacks out there as long as they're throwing the ball, you know, getting the ball (laughs) to people, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, for sure. It's always – I mean, any quarterback would dream of having a receiver like Justin Jefferson out there. Well, we still got to
0: talk about the T-Wolves. We got to talk about the wild. We're going to talk Gophers, NIL. We're going to talk some big college storylines as well. But I want to make sure we switch over to the defense a little bit and give Brian Flores some love. Luke, coming to you and then to you, Julia, but giving Brian Flores a little love, last night – We saw the Oakland Raiders put up 63 points. They did historical things. These dudes was playing Madden video, like 21 points in a quarter every time, like, that is Madden type stuff. That is historical number type stuff. And they did it to the Chargers. Uh, whereas the Vikings played the Chargers because people, I, I tweeted that last night and I'm getting crushed by the idiots that don't realize Justin Herbert didn't play last night because they're like, well, they beat the Vikings. Yeah. Because like Justin Herbert plays, I'm not going to say they're not going to score 63, but I think some of the defensive scores probably don't happen. Uh, but also, that was Brian Flores' third game with his defense. And he said he had done something that had never been concocted in the NFL. So looking at what he did to the Raiders, holding them scoreless, Luke, and then you see what the Raiders offense actually can do How much credit do we now give Brian Flores? And is he like? Is this basically, was that game last night versus the Raiders, like the world's noticed that, all right, Brian Flores, you need to go to the Patriots because we need you.
1: He's the hottest coordinator in the NFL right now, point blank, period. Both sides of the ball, offense or defense. I know Ben Johnson gets a lot of love like he should in Detroit. He'll be a head coach sooner than later. But Flores is the hottest coordinator right now, and for good reason. What's most impressive to me, guys, this was supposed to be like a mini rebuild year for the defense, for the defense defensive side of the ball. You lose multiple key veterans on that side of the ball. Eric Hendricks, Dalvin Tomlinson, your best defensive lineman, Z'Darrius Smith, an elite pass rusher, Patrick Peterson, your veteran corner. He is squeezing every ounce of talent out of what a lot of national public's, you know, kind of surface fans would think are Are pretty kind of just average okay players on paper. Nobody knew about Josh Metellus. He's turned him into a Pro Bowl type of player. He turned Ivan Pace, an undrafted free agent into a starting Pro Bowl caliber type of player. 33 tackles in the last three weeks. So I think what he's doing with the scheme, how he's implementing each player and putting them in the best position to succeed given their unique skill set. It's just some of the best coaching I think we've had here in Minnesota on the D defensive side of the ball outside of the Mike Zimmer era, I think you'd have to go back to Mike Tomlin when he was a defensive coordinator here under Leslie Frazier. So yeah, it's been super impressive to watch. And again, the fact that he didn't have a lot of assets, he didn't have a lot of early draft picks or a lot of free agent money. The only free agent money they did have, they used on Marcus Davenport, the guys played two and a half games. So um, yeah, he's maximizing the talent he's been given. And that's what every good coach does in this league.
0: Well, Julia, I'll say this. Ivan Pace Jr. was voted Defensive Player of the Week, undrafted rookie out of Cincinnati. Uh, Shout out to Jason, Kelsey, Travis, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift, uh, the Cincinnati family. Um, When you think about Ivan Pace Jr., though, and Josh Mattelis, because Josh Mattelis is now getting Pro Bowl type of uh, uh, conversations. People are talking about the number of places he's lined up. There's only 11 positions on the field, but somehow he's lined up at 12. Um, That's what the funny... (laughs) That's the funniest thing to me, Luke. I don't know if you noticed that. Are you, Julia? Like, when people were tweeting that out, like, he's lined up in 12 positions. I'm like, you do realize there's only yeah, right? 11 on the right. field. Like, right. just say he lined up at every single position besides nose tackle. Right. Uh, because when somebody said that, I'm like, that's not an actual position that you just named right there. Because I forgot what they called the one spot. They tried to say, like, he lined up at left linebacking rush end. And I'm like, that's outside linebacker. Like, right. don't give it a new name. They're
1: getting a little cute there. Yeah, yeah. they're trying to yeah. say
0: twelve positions. I'm like, where's the twelve spot at? Like, right? There's not still impressive spots. But they're still impressive. It up a little bit. Uh, but when you think about oh, Joshua no. Tellis, huh? <laughs> We yeah, listen
2: like left inside linebacker right inside linebacker, right,
0: like they're inside the linebacker
2: linebacker positions. <laughs> yeah,
0: <inside. laughs> like come on now, like stop, stop it, stop it like stop. you're trying to add on to to make him look crazy or better than he is. you know he's great though, but you're you're adding me positions in there but but you Ju- are Julia, yeah, your name is Julia. I don't know why I was about to play some nurse. it felt weird. I'm like, who is Julia? <laughs>
1: Just didn't feel right. Just didn't out. feel right.
0: Do. Uh, but Julia, when you think about that though, Ivan Pace Jr., Josh Metellus, um, like what what is Brian Flores doing to get the most out of these guys?
2: Um. Well, I, I think you have to run it back all the way to when he got here. Right. We spent training camp talking to uh, these guys, and you ask every single one of them, like, "What do you like about this new scheme with Brian Flores?" And all they have to say really is like, he just lets us do whatever, right? And we use the we use the buzzword "controlled chaos" all the time, right? When we talk about this defense, that's I cool. think it's also. Um, I feel like he has taught them how to communicate with one another um, in a way that's different than obviously what they were doing last year. Um, and and I think it's just it's just mostly. Well, and also it also doesn't hurt that they all really like the guy. Right. Um, but yeah, this year, it just, and I think it's like Luke said, that Josh Metellus and Ivan Pace are testaments to what Brian Flores is capable of. You take anybody and, and you make them a star. Um, but yeah, this year, I, th- I think it's just been letting the guys figure out what their strengths are and then building confidence in what they're good at. And, and it, definitely carries over to the field I said I remember when they were about to open their season and I was doing some live shots and I I was on the morning show they were asking me like what's different about this defense this year and I I said you know it could be rough here for a few weeks but then I think they're really going to get it together and that's kind of how it played out I feel like the first few weeks were like oh god (laughs) what's happening but everything is For sure clicking now but I think about halfway through the season we're like wow okay now we see what they're trying to do but I think the difference this year has just been Brian Flores has figured out how to make guys comfortable in what they do best.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: Brian, it was definitely a little trial and error there. Those first three weeks, made some adjustments. That Panther game week four, though, was when I felt like it started to really click and they got some confidence and like, okay, we believe in what we're doing here now. We've seen it. We know we can do it. Let's go do it consistently every week. For sure. You're right. I,
0: I wouldn't even say Panthers. Panthers suck. Like, I think the Panthers make every team look like they're clicking. Like, they, they, they it's trash. I think they like, needed it. Like, I think, like, I think the it. one for me, honestly, like, I honestly think in the losses, he started to figure it out. Like, I think it was the Chargers game. I think when he realized, like, a guy like Justin Herbert, because he said, he said, I had to start – because, oh, the Falcons, that was the one. So if you think about the Chargers game and then through there and then to the Falcons, when Josh Metella said the Falcons coaches were, like, screaming out stuff to their defense – I mean, to their offense from the sideline, like, trying to say, like, this guy's going to blitz this time, this guy's going to blitz. And every time they were wrong, I think that's when they all started to realize, like – this is how we truly disguise. Like the fact that we could disguise so well that they didn't know who was coming in the Falcons game. I think that's when they started to click because the Panthers, I think was a confidence booster. Like, okay, we can win a game because if you think about it, they had not won a game yet. And that was like a shoot. Like if we go, zero and four, we are trash. Like we have no shot at this. And I think that was the confidence they needed. And then from there, I think they started to grow. So yeah, I think that the, the Panthers for sure. Luke was a confidence booster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the clicking was the Falcons game. I think in the Falcons game, he really got had those guys understanding. Look, this is not conventional. So take it out of your mind. Like stop thinking because you're the middle linebacker, you're not going to be my far right corner in cover 3. Like it's so weird, but if you think about Madden and somebody said this the other day when I or sorry, no, it hit me the other day when I was looking at Madden and I don't play it, but I was looking like people always post like their favorite coverages on Madden. I don't know if you saw that Luke or, or mm-hmm. Julia, like that's a new thing in the NFL. Like Justin Jefferson just did his favorite play on Madden. He's gonna sign and give to people, which is basically just four verticals. Of course, Justin, four verticals will be your favorite. Four play. Okay. <laughs> And if you look at the play though, because it has the middle, the middle is three by one, or yeah, three by one, four verticals, but that middle guy runs the deep over. That's the play at LSU when he scored his like third touchdown, I think. So Mm. it's, 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 it's like people have to, you have to really break it down to understand why he loves that play. It's the LSU play. Him and Joe Burrow Mm. ran the crap out of that against Alabama. And that's when I think it was a four touchdown game. Um, And so when you think about, sorry, Julia, I didn't, I didn't want to bring up LSU too much for you. (laughs) Uh oh. Um, But but the defensive one is just cover three cloud, which if you do Madden and you bring everybody up to line scrimmage and then you kind of let the computer control your defense from there, they'll still all run to their spots. And I think that's where Brian Flores is kind of playing now. He's he's maddening it kind of where you, you think like, oh, wait, there's 11 guys or eight guys in line of scrimmage. There's no way they can run a zone with eight guys in line of scrimmage. That's be some type of man with a blitz. Nope. It's a zone. And you better haul tail to get back there. And he just has guys like Josh Mintellas and Harrison Smith that are able to do it. So I think the Falcons game gave him some confidence too. Also, the and, and Ron, good you played zone.
1: in the league. The communication needed to be able to run zone, not man, back there has to be on another level. And I think, yeah, and correct Which me, wrong. the Raiders.
0: Like that's why the Raiders got rid of uh, what's his name, number twenty four, um, Marcus, Marcus Peters. Pierce. Yeah. yeah, because he w- he was not communicating in zone. Like that's uh, unfortunately. Josh Jobs didn't take advantage of it and maybe getting rid of him helped the Raiders out a little bit maybe I don't know cuz they've been pretty good they've they've given up I mean they gave up a lot of points to the uh to the Chargers but that was only because they were winning and they didn't care anymore uh but they gave up three points to the Vikings and they basically didn't give up anything to the Chargers until late so Maybe getting rid of Marcus Peters in that locker room, Pierce, you know, Pierce figured it out. Like, hey, man, like I've I've been a player, man, and you're the cancer on this team. Like, I got to get rid of you. And so he got rid of and imagine that being a young 40 some year old coach. You are boys with this dude Mm -hmm. and you got to cut him. Yeah.
1: Like that's a tough Peter Peters, I will say, has a bad track record with that type of stuff, just in general, anyways. He's kind of flip-flopped around. Amazing talent. First round pick. Oh no, he's Trey Wayne's draft. But yeah, he's he's had some struggles, I think, with that. He's getting old. He's getting old.
0: But yeah, but but when you look at this defense, though, I think Brian Flores is doing some unconventional stuff. Speaking of unconventional, Julia brought it up. Nas Reed. Nas Reed led the team in scoring. Like, I saw that, and I'm like, whoa, what? I had to wipe my eyes again. Like, wait, did that actually happen? Like, like no Rudy Gobert, big time game. No, no cat. No, Mike Conley, like Nas Reed. Cause when I saw the, the picture, it was Nas Reed and Luca. And I'm like, why is Nas Reed and Luca the headline on ESPN? Right. Well, Nas Reed dropped 27. We'll talk about that. The number one Timberwolves team in the NBA, the best team in the world, in the whole wide world, people. We're going to talk about that much more. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors.
1: Thanks, Ron. Quick reminder, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when you win any $5 money line wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any money line wager. Personally, this week, I love the 49ers. I think they're a lock this week versus the Cardinals. Throw 5 bucks down on them to win and get your $150 in bonus bets back If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action, the app. It's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet in the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Today, America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, official partner of the NBA.
0: Well, people, we got to talk about these Timberwolves. They're doing great. Luca, no, no Kyrie though. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not gonna act like that it didn't matter. No Kyrie, but Julia, take it away.
2: Yeah, um, they're going to the Super Bowl, right, Ron?
0: <laughs> yes, the Super Bowl of basketball. <laughs> we gotta We're keep going. that alive. We're going.
2: <laughs> we'll never live that down. We're so um, close.
0: We're so close.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I, I think back to the summer. When was this summer? when they uh, gave Nas all that money. And we were like, you know, he's a talented guy. I remember before last year's season started, him talking about how different his off-season training was, getting ready. And we were like, I don't know, I don't know about this guy. And then we were like, three bigs, what are we doing? Timberwolves, we don't know what's going on, right? Um, And then he has a game like, I mean, he's been consistent, right, this entire season for the most part. But then he has a game like last night, like you said, Ron, 27 points, uh, a career best, seven threes, which is how many the Mavericks made as a whole team last night, I believe. Um, Chris Finch said post game, he's been, he said, quote, he's been our most consistent bench producer, does it in a lot of different ways. He gives us another gear in transition. He's, his his off the dribble game has been great. I mean, it's just. Like they they were behind by, I don't remember what the biggest deficit they were in last night, but he had 19 points in the first half alone. And he's the one that put them over the Mavericks in in the first half uh, at the end of the second quarter. He's just, I mean, it's amazing to me. I think one of the questions that I had when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today was like, what's different about this Wolves team? And I think that one of the big things that's working for them is just being able to spread the wealth. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time the Wolves have a big win or a big game, it's somebody different that we're talking about that, that did something won- or wonderful or whoever stood out. Um, but man, Nas Reed last night, I mean, he shows a lot of promise. And, and doing that at this time of year gives you a lot of hope for the future. So, um, yeah, biggest takeaway. It's an easy one from last night. It's just Nas Reed. Also, the Timberwolves are the only team in the league that hasn't lost two games in a row, mm-hmm. which is so different than last year because I remember last year when the Wolves would, would lose one after coming off some kind of winning streak, everyone is like, oh, here we go. We're going into a rut, right? Mm-hmm. This is where the losing streak starts and they have yet to do that. I mean, everyone still kind of braces themselves, I think a little bit like when you lose to the Pelicans, you know, you're like, okay. That's the end of it. There's the shoe who's dropped. But um, to be the only team in the league that hasn't lost two games in a row is just insane.
0: I'll say this. I know, Julia, that was a great point about the money. Nasri's money for me, too. I was that person. Not going to lie. On the basketball party, as soon as we started it, I was just like, I don't get it. I don't understand why you need to pay him that much. But then I started to look at average salaries in the NBA. Nothing against today's NBA player but the money is getting ridiculous for role players like I, I think that's the part of it but I'm all for capitalism I'm all for players making as much money as they can in this sport because they the owners definitely are making billions when you see uh the Mavs owner sell his stake for 3.5 billion not million billion dollars and he only bought it for like 800 million so 3.5 billion is what his team is worth so if a player is asking for 36 million 26 million hey go ahead. Like they, they've earned it. They're making you a billionaire. You could pay them. But Nas Reed putting up that 27 to me, that just showed me that they have so much talent on this team. When you look at Anthony Edwards, uh, you know, his, he's coming back to the, to the uh to the to the pack because some of his nights right now are due to injury he's not scoring as much you know having a nine point game i think is what he had eight or nine points uh he's back to 24 and a half he was averaging close to almost 30 but now he's back to that 25 point game range uh he'll he'll have some explosive games where he goes back for 30 40 i know he's i know because the fact that he bought up this michael jordan interview i know giannis's uh 64 has now motivated anthony like anthony edwards is like you know what I gotta have a Kobe Bryant olive game. I need to have eighty-one. I gotta like. I know it's coming at some point because he's that guy. Like he's that guy that if he's hot, he's gonna go. Now, can Cat and all those guys sit back and just pass from the ball like the Lakers did for Kobe, or like the Bucks did for Giannis? That is to be seen. Like we don't know if anybody is selfless enough. I know. I know Mike Conley is. I know Rudy Gobert is. But I don't know if Cat is that selfless where he's willing to let Anthony Edwards go for fifty or sixty or seventy points. Uh, But I would love to see that. But when you look at that team of scoring. You got Carly Towns, Rudy Gobert, Nas Reed now averaging 12, has jumped into that top four. Mike Conley right behind him at 11.4. And then you got Jaden McDaniels, 9.8. You got Nikhil Alexander Walker that can give you 20 on the night. You got Kyle Anderson that gave you 20 on the night if you need it. So it's, it's just showing that this team is not just a six man team. When you think about the Warriors, they're a six man team. They only have six players that are really going to give you production. The rest of those guys, who knows where the hell they're going to be at half the time. This team is deep. This team is deep enough to go and challenge now because the Nuggets, that was always the question. They didn't have Jaden McDaniels last time they played them. I, I would love to see them now in a seven-game series versus the, the Nuggets. Luke.
1: This team sitting down last night watching this game from start to finish, they just grind you down, man. I mean, this team was down 17-2, to two, three minutes into the first quarter. Over the next 44 minutes, they won 117-84. to 84. That's a 32-point margin. They only allowed... 41 points in the second half to the number three offense in the league on the road, no less. I mean, so I I know we've talked about it before. Julia kind of mentioned it. I think this team just really believes in the style of play and who they are now, how they want to win games, what their identity is. And I think in the past, this team probably would have tried to get that entire deficit back all at once last night. That's what we got so used to seeing every night. But these guys, they just don't panic. They kind of stick together. They clearly trust Coach Finch in the game plan. That's what I'm seeing. And and this was a huge test for them being down so early on the road coming off the loss to the Pelicans. And again, Wolves teams in the past probably would have crumbled. This team, though, it's just built different. There's just a different DNA in this team right now. And once again, they show why. They're truly one of the best teams in the NBA right now. And what I thought was probably most impressive last night, their ability, Ron, you kind of touched on it, Put up 119 points when Ant goes 3 of 17 from the floor. That's been a big A topic this year. Who is this offense when Ant isn't on the court or is just having an off night? Who's the other scorers behind Ant and Cat? And, you know, last night you guys mentioned the bench really got them back into this one. Nas Reed, you guys already talked about it. Nah, he was outstanding again on both ends, plus 20, plus minus, which was tied for the team high with Ant. So for Ant to struggle the way he did and still find a way to, positively impact the game with 11 assists making plays all night on defense and then for the bench guys to rally this team kind of back to life after they got down so big that was just an absolute thing of beauty and now they get to wake up today knowing they still haven't lost a game this year following a loss uh like julia mentioned so i just think that speaks major volumes to their resiliency and ability to bounce back after a tough night they're the real deal guys and and they've been so fun to watch 14 and one when leading going into the fourth quarter. That's a sign of any good team.
0: Well, I mean, think about this, though. They didn't have Kyrie. Luca gave you 39. Yep. So I still want to see, because the the Mavs are the number three team in the West. I, I still want to see them... Both teams at full strength, like a healthy Anthony Edwards, a healthy Kyrie with Luca. Because I mean, let's let's be real; they were putting up 130, 140 points on teams, and so that's just the difference makers. When you when Luca can be a true off ball guard, and Kyrie can come up and right away, you have to decide: Am I going to man Kyrie up, or am I going to give some help if we pick and roll? Am I going to leave Rudy Gobert on on, uh, on Kyrie? That's some of the things we didn't see. That's what we're not seeing from the Warriors anymore. You don't see Steph in iso ball situations anymore. Just he's getting older. Like he's getting older. He can't move as quick as he used to. He still runs around a lot. But just the the, the Steph Curry we used to see break down Chris Paul, we're not seeing that. The Chris Paul coming to their team now has slowed them down. Like everybody thought it was going to be a great situation. They're not admitting it slowed them down. So I think the, the, the Wolves are at a great point to strike. This is what sucks about Minnesota sports is this feels like the year and everybody's still waiting for the other shoe to drop like everybody's waiting for something to happen like when anthony edwards got hurt everybody's like oh shoot here we go he's out for the year and then he's back and they're like okay he's he's fine he's just going to be on a little bit of a pitch count and then you know all of a sudden ah oh, oh, who, who's playing they didn't win the ncc season tournament now the lakers are the best you know like everybody is so quick to like what's the last thing that happened everybody's talking about this like so like when the lakers come to town like i think what december 28th i'm excited to see that as well uh, I will say this. The power rankings for the Wolves are one and two in the latest power rankings. Uh, we've seen that uh, ESPN. NBA.com is who I kind of I, I go off of just because it's a lot of player-driven, GM-driven within the league. So it's more peer-driven than just media. And NBA.com continues to, to have the Wolves kind of in that one, too, as well. What are your thoughts on the power rankings and, and, and what's been surprising to you this season, Luke?
1: Well, first of all, it's just fun to see the national recognition. I mean, yeah, we're having a lot of fun here in state as fans that have been following this team for 30 years. But to see them get all the national love and be in the spotlight, it's just a lot of fun. It's a breath of fresh air. I think the biggest surprise to me this year, honestly, I think it's just winning the games they're supposed to win. Because after last year, you can't blame anyone, any fans that – just have that burned in their brain into their memory, their muscle memory of a team that would constantly play down to their competition night in and night out five and 10, if I remember right mm-hmm. versus the bottom five teams in the NBA last year, just think about that stat alone. You win even half the games you're supposed to win last year versus bad teams. You're probably at least the six or seven seed at minimum. So they're beating the teams in which they're supposed to beat. That's another sign of a great team. And then I know, Everyone thought that the defense would be pretty good. I personally didn't think it'd be this good. I didn't know the ceiling was the number one net rating uh, defense by a wide margin in the NBA. Rudy Gobert probably playing the best basketball of his career. And I think a lot of it has to do with Mike Conley coming over and being kind of the glue, the catalyst to this giant puzzle and has helped Coach Finch do the things he wants to do offensively and defensively finally. So those are the big things that surprised me the most. And I'll tell you what, too, if they can just clean up some sloppy turnovers, this offense could probably run with the best in the league. Last night, for example, the first half turnovers alone, I think they had 11 turnovers, 15 to 3 points off turnover advantage for the Mavs. I mean, you think about that stat alone. It's just one of those things that between the free throws, which they got no favors at, if they can clean those small little things up, I think the sky's the limit for them offensively to go along with that championship caliber defense.
0: And Julia, this is what I'll say. I love the uh, NBA.com's disclaimer. Here's the NBA.com's disclaimer. It says, NBA.com's power rankings are released every Monday during the season, but they're just one man's opinion, uh, you know, gathered from blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, he probably talks to GMs and everybody else who he can you know get to give him information and then he builds his power rankings from there post the players it says but if you have any problems or issues with his power rankings or questions please email him not us contact him via twitter <laughs> as well <laughs> <laughs> and they put his email on here. you could click and send him wow. an email so he said, then,
2: then, for us right it's like, hey,
0: like like it is not us it's john Schumann. He is the one going around, getting these rankings, getting the, the feedback from the players and the coaches and the GMs.
1: I got to pull this up. I got to
0: see. That is hilarious. I was, that is so petty, too. They're like, hey, email him if you got an issue with us, not <laughs> us. If you, It's one man's opinion. They are, like, literally saying we don't all stand on this business. I know DK Metcalf did the whole whatever. I don't know how you do it, the sign language, stand on business. Oh, yeah, yeah. But – uh. They're like, we're not standing on this business. This is John Schumann. Email him if you have an issue with this or contact him via Twitter. But here, Julie, I'll give you the power rankings real quick from last Monday. Now, this is before they lost because this says they were 17 and four at the time, but they got the Timberwolves number one up from number two. Boston Celtics dropped down to number two from number one. So, you know, both teams are fighting for one and two, East and West, as they have. They have the Nuggets at three. They have Oklahoma City, Chet Holmgren, Minnesota grown uh, at four. They have the 76ers at five, the Bucks at six. Uh, they have the Lakers now at 7. Now, of course, you win the in-season tournament, and they're going to give you – and this is crazy, Julia. They jump from 12
2: to yeah. 7.
0: The Lakers were twelfth, but when they win the in-season tournament, all of a sudden – they're seven. So, again, it's definitely one man's opinion. You got the Orlando Magic at eight. You got Sacramento Kings at, at nine. And then you got the Indiana Pacers, who lost the in-season tournament but made it to the finals at number 10. So, when you hear those rankings, Julia, again, what's surprising about that to see the Timberwolves ahead of so many teams that we're just used to seeing being top teams?
2: That's last, that's last
0: week's. you said? That's, that's uh, as of December 11th because okay. he does it every Monday.
2: I was looking at the – oh, I was looking at ESPN's power rankings because they have the Celtics – at number one, we'll yeah. Play.
0: So the ESPN, yeah, it, it flip flops. So everybody keeps flipping it. Like I think uh, it's the Athletic, jobs,
2: it's ESPN's
0: the the uh, the Athletic had the Timberwolves at one. Mm-hmm. ESPN had uh, them at two, and then NBA.com has them at one. So yeah, it's everybody's everybody's opinion. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? On even or ESPN's?
2: Um. Well, I mean, I, it's like what Luke said. Everyone's having a lot of fun with this right now. I think what's most surprising to me is. My very first taste of Minnesota sports when I got here was two weeks into my, my job at Care 11, um, the huge blockbuster Rudy Gobert trade happened, and we were all like, what is going on? And then last season happened, and we were like, why did they do that? And Tim Connelly kept, kept making comments about, like, this will define whether I keep my job or not. So I think we all kind of went into this season um not expecting it to really work for them. Uh Rudy didn't prove a whole lot to us last season. We didn't see a whole lot from him. So I think um just seeing the impact that he's had this year compared to last year, it's almost black and white, I feel like. Um, like you said, Luke, he's playing the best basketball maybe of his life. At least, you know, he's at least as good as he was when he was out West. Um, But most surprising. Yeah. I I think just after last year, I, and I I hate to say this out loud, but um, we were just sitting, sitting there during that nuggets, the first round of the playoff. and We're like, Oh my God, you know, it's just so bad. And it's not like, it just doesn't look good. And so disappointing the losses that they're having and this, that, and the other that, Going into this season, we didn't have a lot of hope for this team. So mm. just in general, the way that they're performing all all around the board um, has been surprising to me. So I will say, you know, it's it's a fairly – I mean, Mike Connelly obviously makes a huge difference, and, and having not come in with an offseason with these guys too makes, makes a difference too. But um, just having that core group stay the same and then be able to um, turn their game around – this year compared to last year has just been the most surprising, pleasantly surprising thing that I've seen from the Wolves this year, and it's cool to see them ahead of these, you know, teams that everyone talks about all the time. Um, but the Lakers, and I mean, you know, they're neck and neck with the Celtics. But if you had told me that they were neck and neck with the Celtics right now um, in December, I would be like, "What? Are we talking about the Wolves right now?" So it's all just been a pleasant surprise, just all around. I would say.
0: Yeah, no. And that's the key thing about this team is like, it's a pleasant surprise. They're being mentioned with some of the top. Now, the one thing I will say, no matter how far ahead they are in this lead, top media people, I'm just going to say at ESPN, they continue to talk about the Lakers. Like everybody wants to talk about the Lakers. Everybody like that's, I feel like that's what they're getting fed. LeBron, 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 LeBron. We're not going to talk about Anthony Edwards or Rudy Gobert yet because we don't want to do it yet. And Carly Towns, even though they're a number one team. We're just going to talk about LeBron. We're going to talk about Draymond Green punching people in the face. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. But we, we, we have to talk about the, there's some other stuff going on in sports. We're going to do the, the two minute drill. Everybody knows what the two minute drill is fast paced offense for the NFL team. So we're going to get a little fast paced towards the end here. But I want everybody to know make sure you find Locked On Sports Minnesota 24 7 on the YouTube live stream for your favorite Minnesota sports shows around the clock, people. That's 24 7. It's wild, Vikings, Wolves, Twins, and Gophers all hours of the day. Just go to Locked On Sports Minnesota and subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. You'll get 24-7 Minnesota sports with all your favorite hosts and all your favorite shows. Well, people in the two-minute drill, uh, let's, let's jump into this. Julia, the Wild, what's going on with them?
2: So investigation just wrapped up on Bill Guerin. They also parted ways with their assistant GM, Chris O'Hearn, after an investigation into him. Those apparently had nothing to do with one another. Um, they didn't give any details on the Chris O'Hearn one, really, but they did give us details about Billy G. Um, it was alleged verbal abuse by the director of team operations and player relations, and... They had an outside law firm come in and investigate. And when they concluded that earlier this week, they handed it off to upper management and ownership. They decided it was not a fireable offense. So that is basically the resolved issue there. Uh, this is a story broke that the investigation happened and they're like, okay, that's it. Uh, <laughs> that's all that happened. That's what they told us when we reached out to them too. Um, also, um, Wild beat Calgary last night in a shootout. Philip Gustafson has been phenomenal in goal. Um, Matt Boldy, since John Hines has showed up, has really just stepped up. Marco Rossi is second in the league for NHL rookies when it comes to scoring. So good stuff from the Wild right now. Yeah,
0: Except clearly. The, I saw I saw late. Brandon Molesky tweet about uh, one of the penalty shots. They were saying one of them from the, uh, the, the Calgary team shouldn't have counted because when he got around the circle, he went backwards. Uh, I don't even know how to say this guy's name. Sharon um, I think that's right. Yeah, that um, right. his attempt on the uh, penalty shot. He made it, but they're saying it shouldn't count it because he when he got to the circle, he kind of went back a little bit to get back to the middle, which you're not supposed to be able to go backwards and a penalty. You have to continue to go forward. The only reason I know that because of Mighty Ducks. Come on now. Glove side, stick Come side. On, he's flashy. Baby. He's going to go. He's going to go glove side because he's flashy. Be ready for it. Uh- Two minutes. Well <laughs>
1: worth it. Yeah.
0: So uh, I think that's that's the thing with uh with the, with the wild, too, is like they're 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 figuring it out. Maybe the whole firing the coach, getting a new coach, new blood, kind of like the Oakland Raiders, or sorry, L.A. Raiders, Vegas Raiders. Man, I went through all three cities, Um, but the Vegas Raiders (laughs) got there. That's about my age. They were Oakland for me. Like I'll oh, right. never right. not be Oakland Raiders. It's um, hard
1: to get that out of your, your yeah. kid head, There's right? The
0: Oakland Raiders now in Vegas. That's what I mean. St. Louis
1: Rams, it. man. Oh, uh, i si- uh,
0: Luke, real quick one for you. Uh, there it's been rumored that 30000 dollars was given to the Gophers quarterback Cole Kramer to stay on a quarterback because how do you say the name, Julia? Who's the other quarterback?
2: Max Chickenjansky, still water pony
0: chicken jansky uh so that's the only two quarterbacks they have chicken jansky and kramer it's rumored only and this is message boards reddit type stuff so we don't know what weirdos with tin hats you know luke Braun wears the tin hat we know that we don't know what kind of weirdos are on there making jokes and, and stuff but rumored 30 dollars. $30, do you think that's too much do you think that's just right do you think that's fake what do you think about that with, with cole kramer heading to the nil bowl game
1: Uh, 30 grand, uh, PJ Fleck and the Gophers better hope no one explains to Cole Kramer that he holds all the power in this scenario. He's got all the leverage. The Gophers need Cole Kramer more than Kramer need the Gophers right now. He's done after this. He's ready to ride out in the sunset, but the Gophers with no Cali Emanis now only have a freshman third string backup and they need to go play in this bowl game, December 26th in 11 days. So 30 grand. All right, might sound like a lot, and it is, of course. But Kramer, he holds all the power here because without him, not only are they starting a freshman, but there's no backup behind him. So he could really stick it to him, try to squeeze every penny he can out of them, knowing they're in between a rock and a hard spot. But I'm sure that won't happen realistically. 30 grand is a lot of money regardless, and I'm sure he'd be happy to take that and start in this final gopher game of his career to kind of end on a high note in this bowl game. We'll see what happens, though. I don't know.
0: And one quick one for both of you before we get out of here the vikings have announced their qb depth chart nick Mullins, jaron hall and then josh dobbs julia do you think that was right or wrong
2: um if we're going by what we talked about at the beginning of the show right i mean jaron knows the offense better than josh dobbs does and jaron showed a lot of promise before he got nailed in the head um so yeah i would say yeah it's, it, it's a good move i think um Both, I mean, (laughs) compared to a few weeks ago, they're lucky to have three quarterbacks as their three quarterbacks, right? right? So Kevin O'Connell said it'd be week to week, uh, determining who starts, who's the backup, this, that, and the other, just depending on what their game plan is. Uh, So I would say... Yeah, Jaron Hall is probably the best choice for
1: QB2 this week. Yeah, I can't give up on the Dobbs train. I'm still sucked in. I'm still hypnotized. But having said that, I will say it it does serve a positive purpose to get Jaron Hall more reps so you can go into the offseason with a better idea of what you have at that position because it's going to be a loaded draft class full of some great quarterbacks. It's going to be a hot topic of discussion, what we do with Kirk Cousins. You better have all your ducks in a row and have as much education as you can possibly have on all three of these guys, plus the draft class, so you can give yourself the best chance to move forward at that position, not just in the short term, but the long term, potentially finding a franchise quarterback. So I think it makes sense to have Jaron Hall as the number two and potentially maybe see him get some action pending how these next few weeks go.
0: Yeah, I thought Josh Jobs should be the backup. That's just me personally. You know, you go from the starter, you get benched mid-game. I thought he would have been a good backup to Nick Mullins. I don't know, but maybe Jaron Hall's uh, Falcon start going five for six before he had a concussion. Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to see more out of him. Maybe uh, Kevin O'Connell, you know, wants to see what he can get out of him. Here's another one for you real quick before we get out of here. If Nick Mullins struggles versus the Bengals and is getting outdueled by Jake Browning, if they bench him, do they actually bring Jaron Hall in or do they bring Josh Dodds back in, Luke, really quick?
1: I think it's Jaron Hall. If he's number two on the depth chart, I got to believe and trust what KOC puts on the depth chart. They're at practice all week, not us. So I trust what they see. If he's number two for a reason, it's probably for a reason. So I think Jaron Hall's the guy.
0: Julia? Yeah,
2: I think – I agree with Luke there. Also, you know, Kevin O'Connell's probably thinking, "Man, I don't want to answer questions about what <laughs> happened." Right, <laughs> right. Make it stop, no oh. more. <laughs> he doesn't want to answer those questions after the game.
0: Well, I'm Rod Johnson. That's Julia Daniels, and that's Luke Inman. We want to thank you guys for joining us today. This has been the Friday Roundtable top, top, uh, Table on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, people, have a great week weekend and enjoy some Bengals v- Vikings this weekend. Have a good one.